Tommy Frazier, he is easily above Cam Newton. I, I highly doubt that. And Nebraska finally beat the Iowa Hawkeyes. Key players to watch, I have Casey Thompson and Anthony Grant. All-time wins-wise, we are still probably easily the best teams. How about that block punt there? That was highlight of the game for me. I mean, their safeties could not handle our receivers. That atmosphere can get pretty loud. Oh, boy. Where do you even get started? This is the last take. Did you miss us? Well, we surely missed you. Hello, everybody. My name's Anthony Gumont. You're listening to The Last Take. Over the past 15 episodes, we discussed Husker football and the rest of the college football world. And today, we are going to finish off Season 1 and we're going to recap the season and discuss the transfers and new recruits for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Some news for you guys. Before we start, though, uh, we made a decision, the four of us, to bring Blake full-time. So good to hear it, and, you know, we love the enthusiasm that he brings onto this show. And then on the bad news, on the other hand, Mark isn't feeling well, so he decided to skip this one out, and we hope that he gets better today. But first of all, how's everyone's winter break? It's been a long minute since we've been in this room, so. Too long. Yeah, for real. I was, uh, it was like two weeks before uh, we came back, and I was checking my phone. And I thought I was going to be, I thought we were like close to getting back because I started getting like uh, emails from uh, my classes. And I see, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to prepare for this and that. And I look, oh man, we still got plenty of time, man. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, like, what was the best thing about your guys' winter break? Like, just name one thing in particular. No school. No, just the fact that I just spend time at home. Not have to, other than I had to work, but just be at home. Just be at home, be with family. Blake, what about you? Well, I was lucky enough to go to the Chiefs game um, and uh, watch them uh, beat the Jaguars, so that was pretty fun. Well, hey, Henny thinks possible, Chad Henny. And I want to say this. So I want to throw back to, was it a year ago or two years ago when Chad Henny played in the playoff game? Um, in that in the divisional the game, slash. yeah, two years ago, just two years ago, and I was I was so hyped about it because he actually did a good. Well, I mean, he wasn't that great, but I mean, he at least saved us from losing that game. And I'm like, yeah, Chad Henney, Chad Henney. So I'm joking with my dad before the game. I'm like, oh, we'll see my boy Chad Henney. Well, Mahomes goes down, and my dad looks at me pissed, and he's like, you just what? This is a curse. You just cursed us. Well, luckily Henney put on a good drive there. Um, ninety eight yards. Yeah, ninety eight yards. Yeah, Charlie, what about you? Yeah, it was a nice long break there. Good to be home, see family, some of my friends from back there. And uh, I think probably the best thing I did, I went to a, a hockey game the last night, uh, Colorado Avalanche and Seattle Kraken, just because I'm just outside Seattle there. So that was a lot of fun. I'm a, a big hockey fan. Haven't talked about that on here, but that was pretty fun. Also really enjoyed watching a lot of the college football games, college football playoff, semifinals. That was a fun day. We're going to talk about that. And then national championship wasn't a whole lot of fun to watch, but, you know, it was good. Just good to be back home for a little bit, but nice to be back now. Yeah, uh, I went on vacation to Atlanta to actually watch college football playoffs in my final. I'll get my experience more into when we actually start talking about that. Uh, but we went to the Noah's Ark Encounter in Kentucky. That was pretty fun, you know, just spend the whole day in there and learn more about that. Uh, we went with my youth group earlier in the summer, and I'm just telling you, like, you can't spend two hours. Like, you spend the whole entire day there. It's almost like going to an adventure park. You know, you, there's just a lot of different things to do. So I think we're all pretty tired of this, so we'll head on to the next one. All right, so the 2022 college football season ended in January. Georgia defeating the TCU Horned Frogs 65-7 and taking back-to-back titles 
overall, let's just recap the whole season and give your guys' opinions on it. Blake, I'm going to start with you first. Just what you thought of the regular season, conference championships, and the college football playoff itself. Like, just give your overall thoughts on the season. Well, I'm happy that we finally got some good playoff games. Um, and because, I mean, it was a far cry from what we've seen, you know, Oklahoma getting blowed out, you know, before when they made it to the college football playoffs and lose their uh, those first-round games. And it's the semifinals. I'm glad that they were good. Um, and that Michigan game was pretty shocking. I mean, you know, TCU, everyone was still thinking – you know, okay, yeah, they made it to this position, and then they fresh off that loss to K-State. And then, obviously, TCU was lights out in the beginning, had a few mistakes, game came back close. I think we're all surprised about Michigan. I, I am, too. I really thought Michigan would be able to compete at a higher level. Um, I mean, making it to the, the playoffs, but still lose that game, I'm a little disappointed. And I knew Ohio State was going to put something together there for that semifinal game, um, but I was disappointed they lost that one because, I mean, I'm a Big Ten guy, so I'm going to want the Big Ten to do best. But, you know, originally... Go, looking back, I picked Georgia to win it back to back. I just thought they're 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 where big teams get, and they kind of keep around the area. I didn't think they're going to fold like that. I think nowadays, if you get up to the top like that, kind of like a, a Bama is, you don't really just fall off a lot. So it wasn't surprising from Georgia, but I mean, I think the college football season was pretty fun. Few surprising things. Um, I mean, just a lot of coaching switches there, and it just seeing that all culminate to the end of the season and bowl season, just seeing so many teams without their head coaches. And then some major moves. I mean, it started turning their wild in a way that I didn't think it'd go, especially the coaching route um, for a lot of teams. Maybe not Nebraska. I mean, I kind of thought there may be something there with – I knew Scott Frost was, you know, biding his time there. But the rest of the season I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good season. Definitely some great games. Regular season, bowl season. Always fun when you have those bowl games that at first you may think, you know, just, just the Liberty Bowl – you know Kansas and Arkansas but that was just a really fun game to watch it's two teams a lot a lot of players I'm not sure you know in some of those games some may have the opportunity to uh, opt out of that game just to make sure they're healthy for the draft coming up if they're in that situation but it's always fun you know when you see all those players for a lot of them it's their last game playing there so it's always fun to watch that I think my main takeaway, I think, at the end of the season that I was kind of realizing was that, to me, it felt like the top of college football, the best teams, wasn't quite at the level that it has been in the past. Yeah. And I say that because Georgia, I mean, they lost how many guys to the draft this past season? Almost their whole entire defense. It was a lot too. of their defense. And remember how competitive that national championship was last year with Alabama. And then this year, it just just a complete blowout over TCU. And I think we were kind of talking about it during the regular season. It didn't really feel like there was one team, like who's the best team in college football? You don't really know because there were a lot of teams like TCU that were like, are they up there with the best? And yep. I remember early in the year, like you had Tennessee who started out in the first rankings as number one. And then, you know, they lose to Georgia. And remember we were talking about a uh, two loss LSU team in the SEC. Like we saw in the end, Georgia was clearly true number one dominant. But during the regular season, you just couldn't figure out who it was. Was it Tennessee? Was it Michigan? Was it Ohio State? You know, kind of like in 2019 when LSU stuck out, like after they had those wins, you know, they stuck out in 2020. Alabama was that team, you know, 2021 it was Georgia. They didn't have a bunch of movement at the top yeah. as much until, I guess, last year Georgia had been number one before they lost to Alabama and they just kind of flipped spots. But most of the time, you know, it's pretty clear. But like you said, when you got Tennessee at the top, you got different teams I don't know, and I think that first year of the playoff, I don't know how how that one was 
uh, that one was any similar, but wasn't like Mississippi State at one point. Yep, they, they were the first, first number, number one, one overall and in the college, the first college football. And then immediately lost. And I think yeah. Ole Miss, lost Ole that Miss was up there too. I mean, they had some They're in team. the top five. Yeah, that was – so there was just kind of – I don't know, because then Ohio State ended up winning it that year. So, yeah. I mean, it was – As just, a four. Yeah. As a ranked number they four. They were the four. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a good season overall, though. Definitely. I mean, seems like every college football season definitely has its moments. So it was a fun, fun year. Yeah, I was just saying, just the national championship. You know, that was pretty. That was pretty rough to watch. You you could see the difference in talent. Like you look at this TCU team; these are all like three to maybe even four stars. Mm-hmm. You have Georgia, all five stars. Yep. I mean, people say stars don't matter. TCU showed that this year; they made it all the way to the chip. Yep. But well, coach, in, you can only end, take you so far. In the end, it ended up being that way, and just the fact that Georgia just wanted it more. I guess Max Duggan, he. Played like crap. Well, I, he wasn't aided by his team. I'm telling you that right now. But no, I nothing. Mean, no they, one else, Nothing could work. No Jay- one else wanted to wanted to be in that game, which is I think the most disappointing part. Is I think that after that loss to uh, or excuse me, that close window by, by uh, Ohio State, Georgia beating Ohio State, um, you could tell Georgia was, they wanted it. They they knew they were getting some doubters in there, and they knew TC, probably TCU. Everyone's like, oh, they beat Michigan. Now they, you know, if you look at the other side, Ohio State played a close game, but Michigan beat them. Well, people thought in the game it might have been closer, but no, I mean, they just wanted it. And Kirby Smart, I mean, I don't know if anybody's heard it out there, but there that uh, pregame speech was was leaked online, and man, he got them fired up. They were they were ready out there, but I don't even know what TCU man. That was right from that first uh, what false start penalty they got. It was just not there yeah, at all. I mean, I mean, remember we had discuss when we had discussions about TCU's defense not being that good and uh, wins over Oklahoma State, wins over. Baylor, especially with that last-second field goal that, that somehow They're got off. Rush everybody you know, out onto the field. Yeah, and there's another comeback win that they had to do. It's just you wonder if TCU got lucky on offense or was that actually really good. And then we talked about how their defense allows so many points. And Georgia really exposed their defense a lot. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, then you go to the other side where TCU had the ball. That defense, seeing that in person, it's just so phenomenal of how well Kirby Smart and that defensive coordinator, they train these guys so well. It's like, hey, you might be a backup, but next year this could be your spot. You know, your spot isn't guaranteed. You're going to work your butt off. You're going to get this done. And they proved that very well, and not only against TCU, but pretty much every team in the country that they face. Yeah, and that's like, with TCU, I kept saying, like, good teams find ways to win, and that's what they had been doing in the regular season. But then, after they lost to Kansas State, I was kind of, you know, is is a team on Georgia's level if you're losing that game? Because Georgia, like you said, they didn't, you know— not many teams were, you know, too competitive with them. Ohio State, of course, at the end. And then, I don't know how close, Tennessee wasn't really that close. I think the score was a lot closer than that game actually was. But I will say, after TCU beat Michigan, that definitely surprised me. I thought Michigan had shown they were the better team. They hadn't lost a game. Yeah, that was my national champion pick. So. It, was, it was definitely surprising. I think Michigan, they just got off to the slow start. And from there, of course, you know, track meet in the third quarter. And it was just fourth quarter. They're ahead, so yeah. Not having That's, Blake Corum really hurt them. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you they can definitely you, see it because the TCU defense was not. Yeah, they they were good in the first half, but that second half. Yep, that is what they do. Terrific. I mean, but you remember, Michigan has always pl- played every game like a track meet. They outscored everyone in, in the country in the second half. They did points. it in the third quarter. Yep. Most of the yeah, the time that that was their thing. And then once the fourth quarter hit, you know, then that, that that's when TCU actually plays their best game is that in the fourth quarter. And it was just pretty much a dogfight after that. And congrats for TCU to win that and surprise that. I was actually going on on the Videotron 
in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and then all of a sudden, uh, the running back ran like an 85-yard touchdown or something. The whole stadium erupts because you know. Obviously, oh, that was Quentin Johnson. Yeah, he got the the bubble screen. Yeah, to the house. The whole stadium erupts because you know Georgia does, doesn't want to face Michigan; they want to face TCU, and that's just like. Oh boy, this is gonna be a long day. Cause I was, I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, I want Michigan to win, honestly, cause they were my pick. But oh well. Another another thing I wonder about is if Ohio State was able to pull it out against Georgia, you wonder how that national championship. I do. I really do. Ohio State yeah. TCU. I don't know if I th- Ohio State. It would have been the first time. I think I would have seed were in the national championship. I would say Ohio State probably would win that. Just overall, it's it's kind of like the same thing. It's just like. Ohio State, they are all four or five stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying Georgia. Their defense is definitely worse than Georgia. No one can compare to Georgia. But I think Ohio State probably would have won it. But it been, you know, it wouldn't have been what was it, 65 to seven. Yeah, I think it's so bizarre because everything that went wrong could go wrong in that national championship game. I mean, nothing right for TCU. I mean, absolutely nothing. You couldn't have played a wor- really worse football game by just going into. It. You think, okay. We score 14 points, you know, garbage time touchdowns. It couldn't even get any of that, you know. And so that's why if you look at the Ohio State game, it's so bizarre because, like, if they would have made it to the national championship, what would have happened? What, what TCU team would have saw in that national championship? Because what they came out and they just weren't nothing. Well, so, I, think, I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that Georgia played a really, you know, about as good of a game as they could have played. Because yeah. I remember after the Ohio State game, they interviewed Kirby Smart. He said Stetson Bennett did not play well. No, he did not. He Seeing did not. that, he played awful. They didn't like, play. I was surprised he won offensive MVP. He played awful. Yeah, I mean, they didn't play their best game against Ohio State, and they were they were talking, he was saying, Kirby Smart, after the game, you know, we're going to have to play a lot better if we want to win the national championship, and I well, think that they played a pretty flawless game. <laughs> yeah, you look at the score, obviously yeah. they played better. And another thing on this season, too, is Kansas starting five and zero and then falling the six and six and then now six and, and seven. Yeah. That's that's rough. I mean that's the same thing we saw back in what two thousand eight two thousand nine. Last time they started five and zero, then they lost all their conference games. Yeah. And if it had not been for Oklahoma State, they would not be eligible. Yeah. <laughs> so Tennessee was another team I kind of look, looked at. What if Hendon Hooker did not get injured against South Carolina? Mm. Would they be in the playoff? They were they know. were losing, I think, by fourteen though when he went down. Well, it doesn't yeah. mean they would be able to come back. I think they could could have came back. They could. I mean, have. It's it only it's South Carolina. I mean, they're yeah. they're good, I guess, but like Tennessee's defense didn't they yeah. didn't show any ability of I stopping Rattler well, that game. So it's tough. It's tough to say, but you're right. It definitely a what if. And with the Heisman too, we were kind of talking about that. If he stays healthy, I think he's got a pretty good shot there. So yeah, and then. Because he finished, what, fifth in the Heisman voting because of that injury? Yep. I think, yes. Just right outside. Yeah. Well, I think one thing to note is how crazy offenses were, like, important in those, I mean, the Tennessee, like, Alabama game and stuff like that. I mean, just, like, it just became so much of a, tra- a track meet at those end of the games, which, I mean, you expect. I mean, that happens. If you look back course of, like, the NCAA, like, you know, college football history, then you'll see those games. But it's like, really, I think there's a lot of bad defenses this year. I mean, you got to think at USC, you know, how highly Jeez. they were ranked and their defense being terrible, you know, losing to Tulane just because your defense is terrible. So, I mean, it, it was just weird how, like, Georgia was the number one team and everyone else was just in a dogfight fighting for anybody because, hell, I mean, you could have put, I mean, not, not I'm saying not Big Ten, but you could put some maybe mid-tier 
or higher mid-tier SEC teams, and they could play a more competitive game against like those. I mean, that's what you saw a year like Georgia. They'd be close the first half, and then they'd pull away, which is part of the reason why I thought Michigan would do better because they kind of played like an SEC team, whereas close in the first half, and then they'd pull away in the end. So, I mean, wild, wild year in that aspect. Yeah, so uh, let me share my opinion about this first, and then we'll go around and give our games of the year. Uh, you know, but seeing that uh, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl game in person is one of the best atmospheres I've ever I've ever been a part of. I went to last year when it was Michigan State and Pitt. It did not even come close to matching. That's probably because you know eighty five percent of the stadium was Georgia fans. But see, watching C J Stroud and Marvin Harrison, that connection is the best in the country. Watching that in person. My thing about this game too, Ohio State still should have won. I mean, you know, you get the means by the missed field goal and all that. But Marvin Harrison, if he stayed healthy in that game, Ohio State would compete better in that fourth quarter. You know, it was just it was just a fun game to be a part of. Another thing that we talked about was the ACC being weak. You know, you had Clemson and Tennessee that in that Orange Bowl. People thought that was going to be close, but then Clemson got blown out. But yeah, the season overall was just uh, a good one. So let's give our games of the year. Uh, Dylan, I'm going to have you first. So what do you think the game of the year was? My game of the year was Tennessee-Alabama. I mean, it's the first time in how many years since they beat them? Since Peyton Manning. yeah. Since Peyton Manning. That was the headline leading up 15 in a row or whatever. High-scoring game, 52-49. to Alabama missed their game-winning field, or the go-ahead field goal, and it just perfect drive. It just makes sense. Hennon Hooker took that Tennessee Volunteers offense all the way down the field, somewhat all the way down, and then it came down to a wobbling field goal that barely made it in, but they made it, and the celebration began. I just, and you only had I don't, like- I don't know. I think the only other game that probably could get up to that was the Georgia Ohio State game. So I mean, yeah, yeah, and just after the game, seeing them, you know, but didn't Hennon Hooker only have like twenty five seconds? To go like seventy yards or something like that, something crazy. I don't remember. It was like a Patrick Mahomes a moment almost, where he had. Yeah. I remember I was in the field watching and listening to that game at the same time. It's like, I don't know, that's some Patrick Mahomes stuff that he did right there. So. Yeah, it just, it was just too perfect, perfect ending, and you get to watch them take the uprights, take throw it, it into the river, into the Tennessee River. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. But yeah, that's my game of the year. It's not even close in my opinion. And I want to add on to that, Dylan. I mean, uh, just the seeing the reactions online by social media, everyone clamoring around that. Because, I mean, you know, when you beat Alabama, that's just such a huge win. But, like, do it in a fashion where, like, I look back in the days, I don't want to always bring up 90s Nebraska, but you see back in the day of, like, those wins, how the fans would react. That's It really brought me back to those times of, like, how fans would celebrate. And so that was really fun. I think college football as a whole was better because seeing one of those uh, classic powerhouse teams uh, win a big game like that and be you know, back on the top prom. Well, Tennessee top really hasn't been good since then. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, so Morgan Wallen makes a song after yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, my uh, favorite game of the year came up late just because of all the circumstances surrounding it. You know, uh, a pretty um, pretty uh, controversial head coach or pretty, like, people are pretty 50-50 with him. i got to go with the cricket celebration bowl i kind of really liked it. i think it was really underrated um it was some good football play there i mean there's some good defense some good offense um and then the game being settled in overtime by a drop pass by a tight end um but there was just so much hype in the game and i wanted to watch it because i wanted to get a better understanding of Dion, how he coached you know his son uh, both his sons out there um and it was just really good football i really enjoyed the game and, and thought that it was a 
it was a fun game as a whole because I could just sit back and watch it, you know, not really too invested in it. Obviously, you know, the Bull, Capital One Bull Mania, you know, I was one, I was wanting uh, NC Central to win it um, because I just wanted to go against Dion, but, you know, um, that's because he's moving to Colorado. Um, but, no, that was just a fun game, and I thought it was pretty underrated, uh, especially in the bowl games. So uh, I, I can let you talk about Ohio State Georgia if that's honestly I have a different game you, if, you, if you want to talk you about were, that you were at that game I I mean I would I would say that we've already talked about that one a little bit just how great Ohio State jumps out to the lead and then Georgia just somehow didn't feel like they had any chance early fourth quarter you know they get the deep deep touchdown there and win the game I'll I'll uh, I'll go with another one that I thought was an underrated game uh, I think it's. Probably, I mean, it's you can't really say I don't think this is the game of the year. But one game I really enjoyed was Florida State LSU. The first week of the season, it was kind of the first big game there. You have uh, LSU; they're down, they're down seven. I think there's like two minutes, and uh, Jaden Daniels is in the two-minute drill, and he takes LSU's offense 99 yards down the field. They score as time runs out, and then the extra point is blocked, and it was just pandemonium it was just crazy inside the superdome that was a that was a great game for sure it really felt like that was the moment you said college football is back like the first week of the season uh there were there were some other good games that weekend for sure but that was one that i really enjoyed it was the one game on labor day i remember so definitely a fun one to watch but a lot of other great games as well uh i'll let you said you had another one so i say you would think by me going to this one i would choose ohio state and georgia I mean, we already talked about it much about it. What else do you want to say besides I went to it and seeing these guys in person is phenomenal. Uh, you know, seeing Stenson Bennett and C.J. Stroud um, going head-to-head and Marvin Harrison and just all those guys. Brock Bowers didn't even do much, but just seeing those guys in person. But the game of the year that I'm going to go with is something it's not as expected and it doesn't have much anymore, but USC versus UCLA in the Rose Bowl, USC defeating UCLA. I thought you were going to say USC versus Utah. No, I'm going to go with UCLA. I was watching that game in my room, and I was freaking out the whole time. Like I was on the edge of my seat. You're talking both offices, 1,162 yards of offense and 57 first downs. That's when Caleb Williams submitted himself as the Heisman favorite, and he ran off after that. I mean, USC didn't make the playoffs, and... I kind of I kind of wanted them to get into it, but at the same time, I'm glad Ohio State did. I mean, you know, you're talking excitement, you're talking headshots. It's almost like a heavyweight title fight. You know, one lands a jab, another one has a hook, and then just wears the knockout blow, and then all of a sudden, here comes USC and hits one more right in the in the body, hits in the jaw, knock down UCLA. That's just it. Just reminded me so much of that, and it was just so so exciting, so much fun. You have the UCLA crowd who's actually sold out, you know, because we talked about only like eighty five percent full though. Yeah, that's but, sellout for them. But we also talked about how you know they when they were playing uh, Utah or something, you can see behind the field goal it wasn't even filled. It was like, South Alabama. Oh, South Alabama. Okay. Yeah. But you know that that game just really stood out to me a lot, and that's going to be my game of the year so uh, before we go on my honorable mention i was just looking at my list i had lsu alabama you know lsu won that biggest balls and, in college football yeah, so and my reasoning my reasoning is literally it says this brian kelly has the biggest balls in the world <laughs> that's literally what i said that was my reasoning but yeah i just I've, <laughs> i forgot i wrote that so yeah and then 
you know, there's just some other other big ones in here as well. So, I mean, I respect the athletic. Yeah, the athletic number. T- Say the number one according to the athletic was Michigan and Ohio State. Whatever. Where's uh, where's USC Utah the first game? Because I thought that was a pretty fun. Yeah, USC. I was the only one that. That was number five according to the athletic. I mean, Utah went for two and got it. So that's. I mean, that's pretty ballsy too. Kind of a lot like the Alabama LSU game. Uh, A little more high scoring. scoring. Yeah, Uh, that was a fun one. Because the Pac-12 doesn't have defense. Alrighty, so it is our. Since college football is the end of our time and we did the Capital One Bowl Mania contest, we had 20 contestants compete around. Uh, first place overall was our very own Charlie Wing, who takes it all. And then Dylan got second. Mark got third out of everyone. So we're like, okay, what do we do since three out of the four of us got top top uh, three? So we're like, uh, we're going to pick the first person who... Obviously, is outside of us, and that is Caleb Giltris. My roommate. <laughs> Dylan's roommate. So, congratulations to Caleb. He gets to be on the last take himself, uh, which is kind of a little, probably just a little fun session and talking to him and him being on. Dylan. That was a little loud. <laughs> it's all right. So, congratulations to Caleb, and thank you all for participating who did. We're going to take a quick breather here, and then we'll get on to the recruits and transfers. All right, welcome back to The Last Stake. So we're going to get into the transfers and recruits, high school recruits for the Huskers. Since, you know, we haven't been on since um, before the National uh, Signing Day, and we got another signing day coming up here soon in February. But I'm just going to go in what we have currently, and I'm just going to do my top six. Six, I think, they're the most important, or they're just the top six in the list. So I'm going to start off with our number one recruit, for this year is a four-star athlete out of Lincoln East High School here in Lincoln, Malachi Coleman. Dude has extremely high upside. He played wide receiver. He's played outside linebacker. He's played all over the field. He's 6'4", and he runs a, I believe, a 4'4'40". His vertical is a 41.8, which is nuts. And he's a track and field star, obviously. And will be interesting to see him on the field, how he plays as a Husker. I, I think they're going to keep him at wide receiver. I think when he uh, originally committed, uh, well, the second time when he was going between Colorado and Nebraska, he said he's going to be playing wide receiver. But eventually, if he gains some weight, uh, he could play on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, my second is uh, Princewell. It, it's, it's it's a fun name. It's a fun last name. Amalian. Amalian, I guess. Uh, four-star edge out of Manor, Texas. He played at Manor High School. He is, is a big position of need edge. It's a it's a needs because you're losing Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, O'Shawn Mathis. Yep, it's gonna be tough. But and we have a new defense three three five with Tony White from Syracuse. So there's a big it's a big body six four six four and a half two thirty, and then a big piece to start our Texas rebuilding our Texas pipeline for recruiting. And as a senior, he got sixty five tackles, including twenty five TFLs and eight sacks. So it was pretty good. And then our, the third one is Riley Van Poppel, four-star defensive lineman, probably inside defensive line from Argyle, Texas. He committed back when we had Scott Frost, and he decided to stick with the team. Another big body for Nebraska, and he could play defensive tackle at 6'4", 270. And then I'm going to go on here with a recent one back on the for the U, uh, Under Armour All-American Bowl, Ethan Nation, four-star corner out of Rosewell, Georgia. 
It's a big pickup, I think. Yes, it is. And we need the uh, uh, youth in our, uh, I'm going to say our um, secondary. secondary. Yeah, yep. geez. Can't think. It's a big need. Uh, he was a late addition, like I said, in the high school All-American game. He plays. He played both sides on the ball in high school, but I'm assuming he's going to be playing defense here. Uh, he had 36 tackles, 11 pass breakups, and three interceptions as a senior. Uh, the fifth one I'm going to have is Cameron Lenhart. He's a four-star edge and defensive line, kind of both. He played more inside this year at uh, IMG Academy, but he's from uh, Don Bosco. That's where he played as a freshman and sophomore, I believe, in New Jersey. But i seen something he's believed to be a boomer bust, but he has tremendous upside. And again, it fills the needs because we need defensive line. Yep. I mean, with the new defense, I, I'm really interested to see where he plays or has his role. He was a commit to Nebraska originally before Scott Frost and Shenander were fired. Then he decommitted. There was thoughts maybe Michigan State, maybe something else, maybe Rutgers. Rutgers was on his board. But he decided to come back to Nebraska. He was reoffered scholarship from Matt Rule, and he committed also at the Under Armour All-American game. I'm excited to see where he plays. And then the last one for the high school, Tristan Alvano, five-star kicker, and then he's officially a three-star kicker on all of like the recruiting platforms. But he's from Westside High School in Omaha. He's a tremendous kicker. Uh, and then the Nebraska Class A state championship, he hit a record-breaking five field goals, including a 45-yard game-winning field goal. He also hit some hit one over 50 yards. So he's a very good kicker, and there's a big pickup for us. It'll be interesting to see because we still have Timmy uh, Breek, <laughs> Timmy Bleak Road still coming in this year. So it'll be interesting to see where Tristan is, but big pickup for the Huskers. So. What are you guys' thoughts? You can start Blake's because you know more. Yeah. You're up because you're a Husker fan. So, yeah. Let's go back to Malachi Coleman. You know, over the course of this entire um, uh, recruiting cycle or this first recruiting cycle before, you know, that next uh, deadline for signing, it was really fun to watch on Twitter because, again, you know, during uh, Trev Alberts, his hiring process, he wanted he kept saying he wanted someone who's a grinder. And we got that grinder. The entire staff has been grinding for these players. You know, after the the Mickey Joseph incident, Malachi Coleman decommitted and then committed back again, you know, needed that reassurance. Um, And it was fantastic to see that because, I mean, it was just kind of an odd situation, you know. We we saw a lot of players decommitting, and we're like, oh, oh, boy, where are we going? But that was early on in the recruiting process. Luckily, we picked him back up. But, you know, speaking of, like, the social media side of things, you know, uh, Matt Rule is very huge on social media. Big Game Boomer uh, put him at uh, third as uh, – or fourth or something like that as – Third. Third as uh, people you should, coaches you should follow in uh, college football. And it's just been fun to watch it and not have to really worry about everything. You know, last year I was pretty excited because – we had, I think, like seventh transfer class. You know, Scott Frost bring that in, bring that in. But I mean, that was just, you know, a band aid to fix uh, a bad team or his. I mean, obviously, his entire era is bad. But you know, these players, I think, are just the start of the foundation of people that you can build up. And I think that's what Matt Rule wants. You know, he's talked about it. He's want to build those players and uh, wanting them to grow. I think some of these players are probably not going to be the. I, 
I think they're going to be a little bit let down in the early on, but I think they'll pop up back again their junior, senior years and stuff like that, hopefully their sophomore years. But Malachi Coleman, you know, um, he uh, played in a few, I think, was he in the All-American Bowl, All-American uh, game? The, the official All-American game, and he also played in the Polynesian yeah, so Bowl I was recently. Gonna, yep, I was going to bring that up. Um, the All-American uh, Bowl, he did not play as well, reportedly. He, but the thing is, people are, like, saying, like, you, he didn't play that good. Yeah. There's a few people on Twitter. Yep. I was going to say he had he played really good like in drills all week. Yep. He just wasn't targeted. Yep. And that's on the quarterback kind of or just the play calling in general. <clears throat> Scott Frost was one of the coaches of that game. I don't know if he's coaching that team, but if he was, it makes sense that that team lost by a lot. But it's a joke, maybe. <laughs> Not really. But anyways. And then, but he played very well in the Polynesian Bowl. He got Offensive Player of the Week. Yep. That's what I wanted to bring up. I mean, you know, he was, he also, because, I mean, that one, uh, Twitter fellow, which I'm not going to name, but anyways, he, so, uh, he had a tweet where he's like, I'll, I'll do better next time. Um, and he's kind of, I don't know, that was after the all American, but then he did fantastic in the Polynesian bowl. So I'm excited. Um, another one is, uh, that, um, under armor game that uh, for high school athletes, that was cool to see the attention because that was on national television. We got a player who said they're committing to Nebraska on national television, which is fantastic too. Yeah, too. So that was awesome to see. Riley Van Poppel going to be fantastic for the D line. Um, Prince Well, I mean that we need that edge area, but I think these people are all people that can grow. And of course, you know, Husker fans nowadays, we know we we need kickers. We can we know that like. We're not going to last two years. We went. Through we're a lot. not. We're not going to short side any kicker. Okay. We we want them. Um, we definitely appreciate them. And so Tristan Alvano is going to be huge, especially right here in Nebraska. But yeah, that's so. Those we got some pretty good players that you know, you picked out. Um, I'm excited though. I mean, we're ranked inside the top 25 um, on practically all the recruiting uh, platforms. Yeah, I was going to say this for the next class. Before we hired Matt Rule, or before they kind of went on the recruiting trail. We were ranked 68th in the recruiting on most platforms. We are now, all of them, are, I'm pretty sure, are 25th or higher. So that's a big, lower. big, that's why. Well, yeah, it's yeah. higher yeah. in that way, yep. not lower. But it's incredible to see the grind that Matt Rule and his staff have done. And I'm really excited to see where all of this goes because we got some very good players, not just in just the normal high school recruiting class, but we got the transfers too. Like we yeah. got some recent uh, high school commits like Demetrius Bell, didn't say him, but three star, four star wide receiver, and then uh, Flores, the one who's his dad was in Iowa. Yeah, the Iowa uh, legacy. Yep, that was a huge pickup. I'm sure his dad's not. Well, he said on Twitter that his dad is a big Husker fan now, but yep. I know deep down yep. he hates the fact that his son is playing for Nebraska. But but that was that's kind of the same. Th- it's kind of the same thing with Casey Thompson though, and his brother, his older brother played at Oklahoma and his dad and they all played at his dad played at Oklahoma and then Casey Thompson you know I'm gonna go to Texas and then now he's at Nebraska yep so it's kind of funny to see that but what do you think either Charlie or Anthony want to go yeah so I guess uh the one obviously that I think I was paying the most attention to I'm not as big of a fan as you guys first year here but Malachi Coleman obviously was some someone that I was kind of paying attention to and I got to ask cuz I wasn't sure kind of what Nebraska fans were thinking but you know was Nebraska was it like a Nebraska CU thing cuz that's how it seemed where I was looking you know as a Broncos fan I see a lot of people from Colorado that were I think maybe optimistic about them with Malachi Coleman so Say, I do oh, I do remember of when the Mickey Joseph situation happened he decommitted 
and it's actually here on ESPN that he did visit yep. uh, Colorado. It was an official visit. Yeah. But so. I, I think part of it, too, just the fact that Matt Rule, and the, he visited, this is the first person he talked to when he got here, was Malachi Coleman, I'm pretty sure. So it was obviously Malachi could see Matt Rule was putting him first, at least for this year, because this is huge. This is the number one player in Nebraska. If we can't get recruits here in Nebraska, that is not a good That's thing. A problem, yeah. I, there's a lot of player Nebraska players on this on our recruiting class. I just didn't say there's a few. There's a, some big players we needed, like some of the offensive linemen we got out of it. But it's it, it scared me when I seen the recruiting photos, like Louie bag on a Lambo. Yeah, it's, in the it's Colorado cringe practice field. With like. <laughs> Okay, I, I just, don't get it. I saw a lot. There was a lot of optimism. I think people were like, "Oh, he's." Really well, I mean, he was crystal balled to Nebraska right. uh, to Colorado, right? Yep. And that was from a guy that gets ninety three percent of them right. That yep. was his first one he got wrong, like recently. So yeah, it's that's, very. So you weren't like really hopeful. I was really happy to hear, and I watched yeah. that. I was at work. I didn't care what was going on. I turned on the stream and to see what he was going. I'm very happy he's here because. He's going to play a big part in our team. So yes, yeah. And also, I just one more thing, just quickly. I think obviously, a couple of uh, guys on the on the D line. I think that's like you guys have already. Yes, said. that is a spot we still very, need to fill. Very currently. important. Um, don't know a whole lot about about the corner. I don't know. Uh, you guys personally, I don't know much either because I wasn't expecting this. This is like a late pickup because. Okay. I think he was going to go to like Florida or something, but. So, that's cool. Yeah, so he is from Georgia, and like I oh, mean, he had Colorado too. I just remember he, that he had so. a, he had a lot of offers. Like you know, a lot of SEC: Bama, Arkansas, Tennessee. Auburn, Colorado is a big one. Florida, you mentioned Georgia, like Indiana, LSU, Miami, Michigan. He has a lot of power. He has a whole offers. lot of offers. So I think even the fact that he chose us over those big schools, and you know, we need help in that secondary. In my opinion, he is just as valuable as he, as Malachi Coleman. Yeah, in my opinion. Well, yeah, it's because you look at our secondary. Yeah. It's pretty young-ish. So, yeah. I mean, we did lose. Oh, I don't know if we lost really anybody. Okay, but so we had Marcus Buford. He's staying. We had a— oh, Yeah, Qu- he's a safety. Qu- Quentin Newsome. Oh, he graduated. So, I think. Uh, Ethan Nation is, guys, I look at number one, in my opinion, because of how young our secondary is and how uh, he got those big offers and he did ch- choose us over those Power 5 schools. Uh, Malachi Coleman then comes in second for me. And then, you know, Cameron Le- uh, Leonard, he comes in pretty well. And especially, like, even with the fact of how, you know, we're getting edge rushers from the transfer portal, I know one transfer, Elijah Judy from Texas A&M, is a big pickup on the edge rusher. You know, we're getting young guys. We're getting experienced guys. So the defense is going to look pretty pretty good next year. All right. We're going to go into transfers. I have eight players for this. First one, I'm going to say was one of the most interesting ones, in my opinion, Jeff Sims, quarterback out of Georgia Tech. I think it brings really interesting competition into the QB room here in Lincoln. Uh, and then just like the fact it just it was needed because you look at all the quarterbacks that got injured, Chuba Purdy, Logan Smothers all got injured while wow, when Casey Thompson was injured, Yep, which is a little scary because you, you got Richard Torres, who was redshirted, and he wasn't really – I don't even know he was – early on the team he is but and you have Henrik Harburg who's you know I don't know he's a walk on he's a walk on basically and it just you got some of the walk ons but it's really interesting to see 
why he came here, but it's, f- it's funny to see him in the top 20 for Heisman odds. Yep. That's all I was going to bring up was, I mean, that that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, put those out early in the year. I mean, that's just something to look at. Although the Heisman odds has some other, uh, quite a few other uh, obscure ones that I just don't think will pan out later Braylon on. Braylon Allen, um, in my opinion. Yeah. So we'll see later on. But I think if Jeff, the, the way I think they're looking at it is if Jeff Sims go out, Jeff Sims goes goes out there and uh, play. You know, we have a more than five hundred season. You know, a pretty competitive season. I mean, I think that they, you know, the talent is there. Just the mistakes got to clean up. So. I think also too, they're saying he's kind of like a Casey Thompson. He has the arm power. I've seen it. He has the arm power, but he can move. Yes. I'm not saying Casey can't. He can. He just doesn't. Most. He's of the time. a little bit more of like. He's just more mobile than Casey in like some a, way because he's, like he's Taylor Martinez esque. We're like can like run kind of like Adrian. Adrian yeah. had better yeah. arm talent than Taylor. Taylor just ran. Yeah, that's all. I mean, because you look at the his career stats here, his throwing yards goes down, but then his rushing yards go up a yep. little bit. So, mm-hmm. and it's Georgia Tech. They run that option offense more than pa- running the ball. So, I mean, if we're going back to that old running the ball offense, he fits it pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I could see both of them playing this year. It's going to be very interesting to see spring ball this year. It's going to yes. be fun to watch that competition go through because I know both of them. Casey said he's not leaving. He He's going to fight for that starting job. Yep. It doesn't matter who comes in. He's going to fight for it. Also, he's a senior, so he's probably going to get some – He's gonna. The coaching staff might be a little lenient, but I don't know. I think it just breed. I mean, competition breeds the best. And I mean, we've seen it out of Adrian. I yep. mean, he was benched during the 2020 season. He was benched for uh, McCaffrey, and then McCaffrey kind of played crappy, and yep. then you put Adrian in, and he had one of his best games of his career. I think it was Rutgers. So yeah. it was very exciting to see how this goes on. Uh, you touched on this, Anthony, but the next one, in my opinion, is Elijah Judy, defensive end out of Texas A&M. He's a, he was a freshman this year. Texas A&M falling apart. Uh, this is a big pickup for us because, like I said before, with all the high school recruiting, we were losing Garrett Nelson, O'Shawn Mathis, Caleb Tanner. New defense. We need big, but we need some bodies on that defense. So I'm interested to see where he plays because I heard over on the radio. Um, over the break, he could might be moving him around defensive end. He could play inside. He could play possibly linebacker a little bit. So I'm very interested to see where he plays. Which is the point of uh, Tony White's defense is literally the people the hybrids of people being on the D line or not being able to push him back a little bit. You know, kind of keep the offense guessing of what what defense is going to be out there. So yeah, you have anything, Anthony or. You know, Texas A&M. He was a big part of that. The reason why number recruiting one recruiting class. class but he only played one game and only got one assist. I think he got redshirted. I almost. I think, think he, he got, got redshirted. So, I mean, this is his true pop out year. I mean, I think he's gonna. Once again, I think he's possibly the best transfer. You know, for that defense. So. Well, yeah, and one more thing, he was he was a uh, one of the one of those prospects. I think a lot of teams are looking at just coming out of high school, if I remember correctly, because I think at one point he committed to Georgia. Um, early. I on. think he did. Yeah. So it was uh, that that definitely is something. And then uh, Texas A&M threw the money at him. Yep. <laughs> last year. And look how good they were. Yeah. And look at Georgia. Mess. <laughs> we'll see. But I think that's definitely the one that I think caught my caught my eye the most there out of out of all these transfers. But go ahead. Uh, my next one is Chief Borders, linebacker out of Florida. Linebacker is a position of need. Yep. Anything on the defense, to be fair. But losing Ernest Hausman really hurts us. The fact that he left to go play at Michigan, which really stings because 
Ernest played to get starting job, and he pretty much got it. He played lights out against Michigan. Ironically, that's where he goes. Michigan must have thought we need to get him. But I guess it could be NIL-related. We don't really know. But uh, it's a position in need just because we only have Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer in inside linebacker, and then we need some outside. So I don't know where he's going to play. I don't know too much, but I do think this is a good pickup for the defense. Any thoughts? Any? Listen, so far, these transfers that we've been talking about, you know, Jeff Sims, he's a sophomore, going to be junior, and Wiser Judy and Chief Borders, these are freshmen, going to be sophomores next year. They're just very young, and they didn't get a lot of playing time at their old schools, and, you know, that's this is what Matt Rule wants. We're going to get, we're not going to go after the experienced guys. We're going to get young, we're going to develop them, we're going to train them very well, and then they're going to be stars in two to three years, so... A big concern with the last few coaching staffs is development. Yes, we especially not develop could, players because we we had we Adrian had was the at same times. player yeah. every single year, and you could definitely say there was no development. He didn't get better; he just was the same person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably said the only year he did really get better was his second year, and that was yeah. only for a couple of weeks. Then he got injured. Yep. So. That, I mean, that that was huge. That that injury. I remember because I mean, he you know we're like, oh wow, he's you know he's playing good, he's pretty solid, and then that injury. I mean. Lost a lot of confidence, and that was a problem. I mean, he gained pounds, yeah. but, but it's not related right now. It's because he's graduating from Kansas State. Yep. So my next one is Eric Gilbert, former five-star tight end, originally at LSU. Then he committed to Florida yep. last year, and then for and then two weeks later, he decides to transfer to Georgia. Then he's been there for the last two years. Hasn't played that much. He didn't play in 2021, and then he played, like, what, one game this Bandy year? Game. He got a touchdown. But he only got 16 yards, I'm pretty sure. So what was it? Yeah, 16 16. yards, two receptions against Vanderbilt. Yeah, um, but the thing with Eric Gilbert, he had a very decent first year at LSU. I think he got about three. I mean, Not a redshirt, just just a freshman. He played in 2020, got 300 yards. He got a couple touchdowns, I think, but like two or three. But 368 yards for two touchdowns, so. Yeah, uh, he was ranked fifth. Overall, in the 2020 class, if this says anything, he was one of the best tight end prospects I think they said that's ever came out of the recruiting yep. so and out so, of high school. I will say this. Uh, back in 2020, this technically for my senior year gift. I got it for my junior year, but I went to the LSU-Alabama game at Death Valley where he played. And, you know, what you're hearing on TV about it, this guy and then actually seeing him in person, I'm like, this guy is going to be legit. But when you go to Georgia— I wonder why. I, you probably think because of the Coach O situation oh, that was going on after that 2020 year. I don't know if that's why he transferred, but then you go to Georgia, get some play time there. Well, then just Brock, here comes Brock Bowers. All of a sudden, you're a reserve tight end. Yeah, yeah. so and, and he, and just, he, he just hasn't had a chance and a shot yet. And if we're going to use our tight ends, he's definitely a guy to go because Travis, Travis vocalex has gone now, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so this I'm going to get into this. It fills a very uh, offensive position of needs because we only have Thomas Fedoni, really. Then we have walk-ons, and yep. I think there's somebody else. But it's very needed because it's going to be interesting to see that tandem of Thomas Fedoni, yes. who is the number one rated tight end out of that class. Guess who is below him? Brock, Brock Bowers. Bowers. Yep. If that says anything, if Thomas Fedoni was ranked higher – than Brock Bowers in high school, what could Thomas Fedoni turn out to be? What yeah. kind of monster was he? I don't know if you've seen him because oh, he went yeah, to Lewis Central. Yeah, but. I was actually I was actually pretty good friends with uh, Thomas because I mean he's he's only a grade a grade above me. So I mean uh, you know it's it's kind of 
like the Eric Gilbert situation, I'm going to go back to the, that for just a second. You know, he uh, was dealing with some mental health issues, and I think uh, some of that could stem from, like, you go from one team playing and one team not. But I think it was a lot of other stuff that happened that we don't know about. But the best part about it was Kirby Smart spoke very highly of him, and that's a sign of respect um, when, you know, he's got all these issues and stuff like that. Um, that shows that he's not just a castaway and not just looking for, for just more playing time. I think he's just looking for the betterment of him. And Nebraska does have a lot of resources to help with that. And I think if you got to know, like, the way Matt Rule, again, building people, I think Eric Gilbert could be one of those people that comes in and finally has that right, you know, that clear of mind to come in and put on a good season. And Eric Gilbert's a huge pickup just because, I mean, he's weird. I mean, that freshman year is enough, really, for me to know that he can be there um, and can be useful. So I'm I'm more than thrilled to see him out there. And I think that having another good established tight end will help Thomas Fedoni because I mean he just didn't he hasn't he doesn't have the playing time. I mean two because knee two injuries. injuries. And two he, knee injuries. But he he did he was in two games. He did play in two games, not start, but he he did see the field in two games. And I remember him sending out a tweet about like him uh feeling the Big Ten for the first time because he got his uh he got his boots rocked or whatever. Um and so he was saying how the physicality of that. And so I'm excited. You know, I've seen him. He's he's a lot bigger now. Um, Six five. Yep. Two forty eight. It's a big boy. Yep. So For it's gonna be end. it's gonna be a lot needed. And I think they can. Uh, I think they can work better with each other. Just know that you've got another guy in there. So it's not just all relying on you. I think that may may, may take the pressure off it. Or it could or it could uh, be again competition. You know. And it's also something we needed to not just this, but he's a two time national champion. Yes. We need that in the. We kind of need that in the locker room because we don't really have those. We have a few players. I mean, we're now the corn dogs. Yeah, we have three we, Georgia players, which I will get into in a second. Yep. But yeah, it's it's very exciting to see where how we've like rebuilt the team a little bit in the transfer portal and just normal recruiting. With we have thirty seven new additions to the team for this recruiting class in total. But so the next player I'm I am going to go over is M J Sherman, linebacker out of Georgia, two time national champion. Coming out of high school, this dude ran a four five forty. But if he could do that now at two hundred fifty pounds, that'd be incredible. Because again, he fills a very big positional need. So I'd be very interested to see. I don't know. This is kind of a newer one, but he's one of the better players out of the twenty twenty class for Georgia. So it's very interesting to see. Uh, all right. Uh, so the next one I'm gonna go over is Jacob Hood, four former four star offensive tackle from Georgia. The thing about this guy, it's a big guy. He's he's a, he's kind of a big guy at six foot eight, three hundred forty two pounds. Sports utility big boy. vehicle. He's a big boy, but he is a national champion. I don't think he got much playing time, but again, this is a huge pickup for the Huskers. I mean, we, we need, need linemen, especially after we just need depth on the offensive line. Maybe uh, good old Bryce Benhart. Maybe he'll play better knowing that yes. he has somebody behind him because he did not. Yep, and it's um, that's why he. Pretty much played every game because we don't we didn't have the offensive line depth and we need it really bad. And also, if we want to rebuild this offensive line with Donovan Raiola, we need more bodies. Yes, so exactly. This will play a big part in our building rebuilding this offensive line, the pipeline. So we needed it, and we're kind of establishing a pipeline in Georgia. So yeah, exactly, get in there, B team players. But hey, I'll take it, man. I mean, when you got the. When they're back national back, champions, yeah, back to we back, have three players coming in with rings, so can't really complain about that. And championship mentality, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got they it. know what it, they know how they've been on a team that wins. 
So it's a big part in seeing what we could do in the next few years. So, and he's only a sophomore coming into this year. So, and I think or a, freshman, a so. part to bring up about that is I think that you know Charlie, you just uh, sparked my mind about this championship mentality. You know, the past few players we've had, they've all been losers. I'm sorry, but they were not under a winning culture. And we got quite a few players coming in, especially the Georgia side of things. That's a winning culture. They are not losers. Yeah, they are. They're well, are, they haven't been on losing teams. Yes, they're far from losers. And so, I especially and with the new kids coming in under the new coaching staff, I mean, it's just a whole refreshing to where like I feel like we can cleanse, even though we still got quite a few players um, that are will still be left over from the Scott Frost era. Um, it just feels like we can finally get a mentality shift. And that's the problem with like looking back at Adrian or other players and why they would just play bad is that they just weren't winners. They didn't know how to win uh, really a lot of games or go on any sort of that's uh, fair to say. <laughs> or any sort of consecutive streak. And so with these new players, I feel like, you know, Matt Rule can uh, really press in a winning culture because, I mean, he does know how to win at the college level. Turned around Temple, turned yep. around Baylor. So. I think that the, it's fantastic, it's in, and getting these players that come from winning cultures, it's it's refreshing. It's just we've seen um, enough of just bad mentality, bad this. I'm, I'm ready for the culture change. So the next one, Ben Scott, center out of Arizona State. He is, I believe, a senior this year. So be a nice veteran. We need some veteran presence on this offensive line. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are pretty young, other than like Bryce Benhart and I think Hickson, but... If he's still here, I I don't know. That's one thing I didn't research, really, but it's a big pickup. He played center at Arizona State. Most likely will play that here. He'll be a starter, most likely, so it's a good pickup. We needed it. Position of need, obviously. I think everything you can pretty much fill on the offense yeah, line gonna, is a position of need. So I was going to say, I was going to a lot of a few of the Nebraska games. You definitely, when someone, you know, will get beat, you know, I've, or just miss I've a block. Get beat in, in the block. In the PAT, I'm just not, not even I'm get out of your stance. I'm next to Blake on a few of those, and a lot of lo- him and a lot of others for sure. <laughs> are definitely not very happy with that. So definitely, I, I would say this is this is good for sure. Yeah. Anything, uh, Anthony? Good, good experienced guy who has played the position many times that can bring that veteran leadership in and teach on these younger guys like Jacob Hood. Um, maybe motivate these younger guys and bring some a new a new perspective into this line yeah so the last one uh, is Corey Collier Collier I don't know safety out of Florida again Florida section we have we have two two Florida players from Florida Mm -hmm. three from Georgia yeah uh Florida and we have one from Texas A&M so SEC connection (laughs) that's where we're getting them but yeah safety need it's a need for a young, younger secondary and also a little bit older as well because we have some players going to be re- uh, graduating this after this coming season. So I think he's a sophomore. So it's a good, big, good pickup. I don't know much. This is why he's last. So any any thoughts? or? Well, uh, just to go over the, the transfer portal in general, you know, Matt Rule, you know, while he was in the NFL, the entire college football world really changed with how you recruit and, uh, you know, with the NFL and then with the transfer portal just being a really open season, you can go anywhere. Now the NCAA has put restrictions on it, you, you know, the JT Daniels rule, as a lot of people are calling it, so you can't just switch every single year of your college career, um, which I think is, is a good thing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, this recruiting class is good, but 
you know, looking towards the future just a little bit, obviously, you know, we're going to be heavily focused on our each recruiting class each year. Um, 24 like, hours. Yeah, 24 hours, which is it, which is cool. I mean, I love the branding. I love that. That's what you need. Nebraska thrives. The vision. Off, Nebraska thrives off of that branding and that vision, and that's when they do the best is when they have a set mentality. Um, but just looking to the future, you know, I don't know how the transfer portal is going to affect us, but honestly – I honestly didn't know what to expect out of Matt Rule with the transfer portal because, I mean, he, you know, again, just not that experience. You don't know what he's going to bring. And again, when things were looking down um, after, you know, situation, um, I really didn't know what to expect. But Matt Rule has overachieved with that. And I really didn't think we needed to go into the transfer portal because it didn't it just didn't solve all of our issues last year. And we had a we had a seventh, I think, ranked uh, transfer portal class or maybe even higher. It was higher. Um and that really was just a band-aid over issues, and I said that earlier. Um, but, yeah, so I'm excited, and I think that these transfers can actually come in here and uh, be very instrumental with what they do. So, I mean, even the ones we did talk about, and but then there's a few here that like we Josh did. Fleeks, I I say Josh, Josh Fleeks. I say Josh Fleeks. Fast. Josh Fleeks was the first person to come to Nebraska after the it's hire. because he played at Baylor when Matt Rule was there. Yep, so. and then uh, another one you didn't talk about is Billy Kemp. He's as the senior from he's, Virginia. It says he's not. I'm pretty sure he is still coming. I think he is coming here. He is coming here. He has another. He gets a, He's a senior this year because he gets another year of eligibility because the NCAA granted all Virginia players another year of eligibility because of the horrific tragedy of few players getting killed. Yeah, so, so I mean— you know, we're just talking depth and competition. It just depends on how well we can play. Like what Blake was saying, like, you know, we were very active in the transfer portal last season, but it didn't work out. But maybe this whole coaching situation might change and the culture changing as well. Maybe these new guys will come into come into play and not just to play, but to play in the big roles, you know. I felt like every position we needed to fill was filled at least so far, but right now we just need more depth. And guys who are willing to come here, I know a uh, big, big thing for the recruiters is the light show in the fourth quarter. Uh, you see the stadium getting lit up at night yep, sometimes, dorm, and yep. you wonder what recruits there. So, and you've just heard, you've heard, I've seen a few of them just talk about the fan base here, like that. That matters for sure. Like coming to play, oh, yeah, some of the best. Uh-huh. Uh, fans in college football for sure. So the greatest. Yeah, it shows with the sh- the. Cello if you exclude sure. the students, it's the greatest fans of college football. Exclude <laughs> the student. What do you mean exclude? It's because at least bad. being nice. At least being nice. Uh, students are not nice. <laughs> well, I mean, we our student section hasn't. I mean, we haven't been good. So I mean, it's kind of like I mean, fair. I remember the Georgia Southern game. Yeah, my yeah. the North the North yeah. Stadium. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was very, South. I mean, not North. You were there, weren't you? Oh yeah, I was. Yeah. I was saying I wasn't. I we all wasn't were. happy. Yeah. So not a happy camper. Alrighty. Well, that sh- that concludes the uh, recruits and transfers. So it looks like we are getting ready to close up shop here. Um, Tune in next week as we'll probably be talking about a little bit more of Husker athletics and who knows. I think we should maybe go over our thoughts possibly of the 2024 recruiting class next week if we can get into that later. But yeah, maybe we can do that. Uh, Maybe we might bring some new segment backs, maybe uh, tier listing we can bring back, maybe matchup of the century uh, or maybe some new ones as well. You know, just. Got to find a new flow with this. We don't have 10 games to go over like we did every week. So Or more. We never know. Or all 40 we went all through 40, last. All 40 bowl games. Oh, that was oh, awful. Oh, yeah. That was marathon rough. episode. Yeah. That so, was, what, two hours? That Almost about two, two hours. hours. Two. 
I can't imagine editing that. I was playing Madden while I was editing that. That's smart. Honestly. That's smart. <laughs> so, all right. So signing off, it's Charlie, Blake, Dylan, and Anthony. And Mark will be here next week. Hopefully. And get well soon, Mark. And this is the last take, and we'll catch you on to the next one. Peace.